Are you a dangerous dreamer? Hey, it's Dan here. I hope you are one of those. Do you love your work? Do you think it's possible? Well, you're about to find out. It's time for 48 Days to the Work You Love with Dan Miller on the 48 Days Online Radio Show. Whether you need a professional tune-up or a work overhaul, this is the program for you. Now, here's your host, Dan Miller. Well, welcome to the second half of 2020. Can you believe it? Here we are. The big year we were all anticipating, 2020, perfect vision, everything was going to be golden, wonderful. Wow, did we get hammered with some challenges or what? But here we are halfway through the year. You think the second half is going to be better than the first? Well, frankly, I do. I'm not sure what could be added to make it any more challenging, but I think we're going to be coming out of that. So with challenges, what do we know? We know with challenges come opportunities. That's what we're going to be looking at today and beyond. Now, here's some of the questions we'll be looking at. Dan, what if we offered an eagle's nest in the eagle's community for entrepreneurial pastors? Great question. Should I just go back to being a worker and employee somewhere? How can I sell more financial advice books to teenagers? And this one, Dan, long story short, I work at a job I hate. Well, here's our quotation for today. It comes from Napoleon Hill, author, of course, of Think and Grow Rich and other books. He said this, cherish your visions and your dreams as they are the children of your soul, the blueprints of your ultimate achievements and accomplishments. Now, is that cool or what? The blueprints of your ultimate accomplishments. That's pretty profound. So what are you dreaming about? Hey, we got a resource for you today. Are you living the life you love? Now, this is the five-minute quiz that we put together. Live the Love Your Life quiz. Find out if you are living your best life. Just go to 48days.com slash W-Y-L. That's all you need. W-Y-L, work you love at the end of 48days.com. Well, we got all kinds of good news, and I want to just read some comments from you, the listeners here today. This comes from David, Dr. David Powers, longtime listener and participant in the 48 Days community. He said this, Dan, I spoke to Joel Bogus yesterday on the phone, and it reminded me I owe you a thanks for something. Aside from your friendship and your help over the years, one of the biggest impacts you've had in my life has been community. Without you, I would have never met your son, Kevin daughter Ashley, son Jared, wife Joanne. Then it expands further to Kent Julian, Paul Graw, Dave Wentworth, Joel Bogus, Brent Trod, Andy Traub, Chris Gilbu, Justin Lucas Savage. These are only the folks I consider friends. That circle would expand to another circle in the Dan Miller friends I know through social media, your events, and other areas. Then it could expand to another ring of people I know because of people I met through the folks listed above, almost like ripples in a lake. Oddly enough, one of my best friends in the world, I met at Chris Gillibu's inaugural World Domination Summit. I'd met Chris Gillibu through you. It's almost been like those anecdotal tales we hear about getting to heaven and being met by all the thousands of people we influenced but knew nothing about. You're like that now. I originally heard about you because of Dave Ramsey. I was in Costco one day many years ago and saw that 48 Days kit you sold through them. On the back was a recommendation from Dave, and I thought if Dave recommended you, you must be a stand-up guy. 
Thanks for all you do and best wishes on the move. Well, I appreciate that. And it's so typical. I mean, I so believe in this. David, thanks for your note and a reminder of all your connections. But that's exactly how I operate. I had somebody just this week ask me, he's another really successful business guy, big community, big following. He asked me how we are growing the 48 Days Equals community. And I said, it's by serving well the people who are already there. We don't use fancy techniques, advertising to try to pull in people who never heard of us. No, we just have a lot of fun and serve those who are already there. Well, guess what? They tell other people, just like you're talking about here, David. You know, that that special packaging for Costco, that was something uh, we did right out of the gate with the 2005 edition, the first hardback version of 40 Days to the Work You Love. came out back in 2005. But that was a special packaging for Costco. Had a workbook in there, two audio CDs. Still have a couple of them around here just for memory's sake. They sold it for $49. Their opening order was for 60,000 units. That scared my publisher to death to do something that creative because this was packaging. It's in a cardboard box. It has Velcro snaps that hold it together. Not the packaging that would work in a bookstore. And they were terrified of doing something that could not be then repurposed in bookstores. But anyway, it was innovative. It was extremely, um, a a whole lot of fun and extremely successful. I loved what we did with that. And it's just one of those examples of a creative idea. Now, we got some questions today from, again, authors, which we seem to have continuously. And I want to encourage you as authors, but think about just that example right there. Something that you can do that is creative. I mean, that's, that's all that goes on in the 48 Days community is people sharing creative ideas, people being very generous with those ideas and resources. So here's, here's another right from the Eagles community. This comes from John who says, John, as always, I love the content you continue to put out in the world. I'm grateful for the tremendous impact you've had in my life. Thank you. I recently participated in the podcasting for profit Eagles Nest in June. Had a wonderful experience learning with and from an amazing group of people. Our host, Eric Johnson, who's the podcast talent coach, mentioned that there would be more Eagles Nest in the future. And if we were interested in hosting one or had an idea for one to reach out to you. About two weeks ago in one of your podcast episodes, you addressed a question from a pastor who had lost his passion for the pastorate and was wondering if he should just continue to fake it or move on to a career that is more fulfilling. I think the exact words he used there, if he could just stomach it for 10 more years to retirement. He says, and John says here, by the way, I've heard you address many similar questions over the years from other pastors as well. They got me thinking, what if we offered an eagle's nest for entrepreneurial pastors? I would totally be willing to lead something like that. I believe my journey in both the pastoral ministry realm, as well as some of the career decisions I've made along the way, have uniquely positioned me to speak into the lives of pastors who feel stuck, frustrated, or totally burned out. I'm currently hosting a mastermind with pastors who are all pursuing some entrepreneurial dreams in addition to serving their churches. Well, John, thank you so much for I love having members suggest things like this. We absolutely will do, as we always do, we do a survey. You know, we'll check the pulse of the community to see if there are people who are interested in that. I suspect that's going to be the case. Entrepreneurial pastors. I love the title. Now, John, 
John's site is smalltownbigchurch.com. You can check that out. Check him out. He's a real guy. He knows what he's doing. He's helping a lot of people already. I love his creativity and the things that he's doing. You know, a couple of years ago, I, I wrote a piece that is in the little book Rudder of the Day, but it's called Dreamers of the Day. In Seven Pillars of Wisdom, T.E. Lawrence says, there are dreamers, but not all human beings dream equally. Some are dreamers of the night who in the dusty recesses of their mind dream and wake in the morning to find it was just vanity. But the dreamers of the day are dangerous people because they act their dreams into reality with open eyes. I love that image. Dreamers of the day are dangerous people because they act their dreams into reality with open eyes. Now, that's a pretty clear picture. You know, in today's sophisticated technological world, we often dismiss our night dreams as a result of too much pizza last night or having too much in our minds when we went to bed. But what about those daydreams? Are they to be dismissed as just random thoughts passing through our brains? Or could they be the seeds of creative problem solutions, great new opportunities and insights into our unrealized potential. I mean, what about right now? I mean, look around us. I mean, we've, we've been hammered with this COVID thing and then the racial unrest, you know, businesses that have closed. I mean, there's all kinds of problems out there, but you know what smart people do? What creative people do? They solve problems while making a profit. Now, let's frame that a little bit because you know where I'm going to go with this. There are a lot of organizations out there that claim they want to help a lot of people. But as an entrepreneur, I get to help people. And by being profitable, I get to continue and expand helping people without asking anyone for donations. A lot of times we assume if we're going to help, gee, we need to start another nonprofit. Please do not do that. If you want to help people, figure out how to serve them well. It can be self-funding. You know, Henry Ford was famous for wanting his employees to spend some time thinking and dreaming. I mean, he he didn't want people to just always work. He wanted people to sit back, put their feet up on their desk, and to think. I mean, that may not be something your employer is encouraging you to do, but are you doing it on your own? Have you ever taken a dream and acted it into a reality? Have you taken time to really embrace your best ideas? I mean, where do those come from? Now, personally, I mean, I want to encourage you, do not underestimate the value of your literal night dreams as well for problem solving and creative approaches to your solution, to your situation. I mean, I I like to keep a little pad by my bed so I can make notes during the night as I wake up with dreams because it's often there that I find the best solutions for things I'm working on. I mean, I I welcome going to bed without having solved some kind of situation because I really believe that it's in the dreaming, sleeping stages that I may come up. I think it's a time where I don't have as much conscious control over my mind where God can get in and speak creative novel things that I don't recognize other times. I mean, I love that. But I encourage you to be dreamer, of the night and dreamers of the day. Be one of those dangerous dreamers that brings your dreams to life. You know, it reminds me a couple of years ago, I was invited to a Johnny Cash tribute. 
Of course, Johnny's been gone for several years, but this was a tribute. And his sister was going to be there, his son, some other celebrities and all that. So the instructions were that I had to drive. Now, I live in Franklin, Tennessee, that I had to drive way out in the country. I won't give you the exact directions, but anyway, way out in the country, pull up to a little country store. I was supposed to be dressed in black and walk into this little country store and somebody would be just casually there to kind of greet me if I my eyes met them. Now, what I did, I took my son, Jared. We both dressed in black. We drove my black Corvette. We drove, we pulled up. Here was the password. The password was, I'm a dreamer. If you knew the password, then you would be given directions to a farm farther out in the country, a farm where Johnny used to spend a lot of time. It was a delightful evening, but I love the fact that it was framed around the whole thing. I'm a dreamer. Now, they had some cars displayed there, including his one-piece-at-a-time Cadillac. Now, if you if you want to Google it, you can do that. Pull up that song, One Piece at a Time. It's about a guy who worked in a factory, and he saw these wheels coming by that would go on a Cadillac, and he knew he'd never have the money to buy a Cadillac, so he decided to, to kind of take a piece home with him every night. That's what the song is based on. He just took a piece home every night and over a period of years was able to build his own Cadillac. Well, obviously cars change as model years change. And so based on the song, there have been a couple of people that actually put together cars like that. In 1977, Bill Patch, who lived in Oklahoma, liked to tinker mechanically with his collection of old cars. He decided to use his automotive know-how to build that one piece at a time Cadillac to help raise money for his Lions Club Civic Center. So he did that. He, he went all over the country and he just, he asked salvage yards to donate because he was raising money for his organization, parts from Cadillacs. He then presented the car to Johnny Cash. He loved it. He then went with Welch to perform a series of concerts in his hometown in return. And of course it raised tons of money. It created a lasting friendship between the two men. Well, anyway, check it out. But it just, it's all based on being a dreamer. You do those unusual things when you're a dreamer. You know, this morning I was listening to a podcast and there's a brand new book out by Natalie Nixon. She's got a couple of TED Talks out there, great lady. And her new book is called The Creativity Leap. But here's what she says. I define creativity as our ability to toggle between wonder and and rigor to solve problems and produce novel value. So there you go. I mean, that's a pretty good goal. Creativity is our ability to toggle between wonder and rigor to solve problems and produce novel value. So it's not just thinking endlessly and doing nothing. No, rigor means work. You're getting the game to solve problems, produce novel value. Well, here's a question from Brian. I'm going to, I'm just, just pick questions today that kind of stayed in the same theme. Brian says, Dan, when we met recently in person, you had a significant impact on me. You brought up a topic of work life integration and said something to the effect of showing me how to have peace in my life and also kill it in business. I'm about to have a forced start over in all areas of my life. I want you to do that or someone to show me the way, but I'm throwing my hands up and admitting I have no idea how to do that or what to do anymore. Am I just the problem? And how do you overcome perceived learned helplessness? Should I just go back to being a worker and employee somewhere? 
I want to understand, but I feel like I talk too much and just want to listen. How can I move forward, Brian? Well, I appreciate your question, your vulnerability, Brian. I mean, this is not a cookie cutter process. This is a very individualized one. You're different than anyone else on the planet. Or as we become more familiar with space, you're different than anyone in the universe. How's that? You really are. But don't see this as just a two-choice solution or option for you. I mean, you, to either be that raving entrepreneur or just be a worker, be an employee. No, there's all kinds of things on that spectrum of changing work models. You can be, you can have an area of expertise and so you become a consultant. Not really that you have your own business. You don't have an office somewhere. You're a consultant, but you use an area of expertise to help other businesses and companies and organizations in something that you really understand well. You could be a freelance worker, a digital nomad. I mean, some of these new things I talk about in the brand new 20th anniversary edition of 48 Days to the Work You Love. Digital nomad. What does that mean? Electronic immigrant. Both of those mean you can live anywhere, work for any company, because a lot of companies are figuring out they don't really need you to be under their roof to do their work. You could be a franchise owner where you have a proven model of what somebody has already done successfully and their support. You could be self-employed in anything. I mean, as a bookkeeper, in anything you name, you could be self-employed in doing that. You could be a business owner, just take over a business, or you could be an entrepreneur. So there's a broad continuum of things that you can do. And at any given time, it's healthy to explore where in that continuum you really fit well. But to do that, you go back to the basics, my basics in 48 days, look at your unique skills and abilities, your personality traits, your values, dreams, and passions. You have to know that about you. That's the only starting point. You can't have an external solution that says, gee, why don't you try this? That's likely to lead to frustration, burnout, and failure. No, look at yourself. Then what you know, your skills and abilities, your personality traits, your values, dreams, and passions, then we can look for that sweet spot that blends your talents, passion, and money. And I talked to somebody uh, just this last week. Actually, I was talking to um, Chad Jeffers. He came by, we had a big yard sale, Chad Jeffers. You've heard me talk about him. He's lead guitarist for Carrie Underwood, but a longtime friend stopped by. He was telling me about a friend of his who started selling jet ski parts. Now, the guy was employed somewhere just making minimum income, just getting by, but he, he loved jet skis so much like the guy who was going to take the parts out of the plant and build a build a Cadillac. Uh, this guy just took one jet ski, start, started selling parts, had other people ask him about parts, and so he started accumulating old jet skis. It didn't work anymore, but he would take them apart for the parts. Today, he has over $5 million in inventory and supplies people all over the world with that. I mean, those are the kind of ideas we hear about every day. I just finished reading a little book, rereading the little book, Anything You Want by Derek Sivers. Well, Derek Sivers founded CD Baby. In 1998, he wanted a way to sell his own music online. I mean, the big labels wouldn't take a CD from a little independent musician. So Derek figured out the technology to sell it himself on his website. Well, then a couple of fellow musicians saw what he was doing and said, hey, can you sell my CD as well? Well, he, he had other people showing up and he decided, you know what? Yeah, I'll set it up. 
I'll charge you $35 to set it up. Each album to set it up. Then you can set any price you want and he'll keep $4. That was his model. That was as complicated as his business model ever got. 35 bucks to set up an album. You set the price on it. He sells them, delivers them, but he keeps $4. Well, 10 years later, he was doing over $100 million in business. Then he sold the company because he wasn't enjoying what he was doing anymore. He wanted to be a musician. He sold the company for $22 million. Well, actually, the rest of the story there is he immediately donated the money to a foundation to help beginning musicians and went back to enjoying his music and his simple lifestyle. But those are the little ideas. Sometimes people see ideas that develop even faster than they want them to. That's another topic for another day. Well, but the best ideas, the ones that fit us best, are usually right under our nose, something we already know and care about. Now, Brian, I want to give you also here 10 characteristics. I mentioned this frequently, 10 characteristics of people who end up rich. Number one, they expect success. Now, here's the cool thing about this. These 10 characteristics are characteristics you can decide to live out today. They're not just special in that they're attained and held close to the chest by those who are rich. No, you can decide. You're going to display these characteristics today. So here they are. Number one, expect success. Number two, create a clear plan. Number three, work hard. Number four, avoid debt. Number five, be teachable and a lifelong learner. Number six, exercise self-control, persistence, and delayed gratification. Number seven, accept personal responsibility for where you are and where you're going. Number eight, keep good company. Number nine, remain opportunity conscious. Number 10, enjoy the present, but plan for the future. Those are something any of you, Brian, you and anybody else listening, those are things you can just decide, I'm going to do those. We'll put those in the notes. Well, hey, just a quick reminder here. We're working through questions from you, the 48 Days Radio listeners. I appreciate those. Feel honored when you submit those. Just keep those coming in so we can unpack them here and all learn together. You can shoot those in to askdan at 48days.com. Now, you can also submit an audio clip. I'll play one here in a minute like that. You can do that as well. Just go to anywhere in the 48 Days dot com's website and you'll see a little microphone you can click on that and leave a question as well but the easiest way is just send it in to me as an email at askdan at 40 days.com now we got one of those little audio clips here from brian so it was short and sweet so i'll go ahead and play it here and we'll unpack it hey dan this is brian and i've just created an ebook uh for financial literacy for teenagers it's a book that will teach them the basics of money and with um, activities, uh, fun activities, I think. Uh, and I'm looking at the best ways to market it. I think it would be a great book uh, for homeschoolers, um, but I think it would just be generally a great resource. I do have a, a blog and I do have a pretty good following on uh, social media, Twitter, um, but I'm just thinking, you know, what other ways could I help uh, promote this book and get, and get this information out there? Thanks. All right. Hey, great question, Brian. I did go to your website based on your email address. So it was easy to find a book you're talking about, How to Rock Your Money, A Teenager's Guide to Financial Success. You got it positioned really well. I mean, great bullet points, 
What is money? Money for your time, your time and money. Net worth, never giving up, giving back. Anyway, you get it laid out really well. Now, here's just some kind of quick thoughts on selling more of your book. You've got it at $14.97, certainly reasonable. But in being realistic, I guess my question is, is your customer the teenager or is it the parents who are going to get this for their teenagers? Now, you may be clear on that. You probably are. But if it's for teenagers, then certainly your marketing of how you position this is going to be different than if you're going after the parents. So that's one thing. You know, but how, how do you do that? Now, you'll know from being a listener how I view having a book. A book is never a source of making money. I mean, when I diagram my financial projections and I books in there, the books that I have, I project zero income. Now, certainly, do I get income from loans? Yes. But believe me, it's not as outrageous as some of you might think, just because, you know, New York Times bestseller, those kind of, that kind of terminology, it doesn't really mean what you might think it means in terms of income. So I don't anticipate a whole lot of money income from the book itself, but I do anticipate a whole lot of income from sharing the message of the book in other ways. So I, I'm asking you then, Brian, what do you have planned in terms of communicating this message to teenagers? Are you going to do speaking where you can get paid for that? Are you going to have ancillary products where you may have like a seminar or a course that somebody can go through? If you are known for financial information, do you have affiliate relationships with other providers of information where you make income from that? I mean, do you do coaching? of teenagers or their parents on how to do this? Are you going to have any kind of live event that, you know, certainly we're going to get back to that in the last half of 2020 and beyond live events, but those are the kind of things, you know, or are you considering having an, an online membership community for teenagers who are learning how to handle money? Well, man, I could really see that happening. So those are some of the things that I ask in terms of those do prompt sales of your book. But again, the book is primarily the carrier of the message to lead people to the other things that you have, where you're probably going to make a whole lot more than the $14.97 each. Now, also, you know, this we've got a young guy, young guy in the Eagles community. His name is Nathan Magnuson. I'll spell it for you here in a minute, but he's got a brand new book called Stand Out, and it's for how, how young people can make themselves stand out. Now, he's done a beautiful, beautiful job of positioning his landing page. If you go to the resource that I gave you today for taking the quiz on Are You Living the Life That You Love, go to 48days.com slash W-Y-L, work you love, W-Y-L. You're going to see it has a whole lot of similarity to what Nathan did as his landing page. Where did he get the ideas? By looking at my page. And they're replicating a lot of that. So if you go to Nathan Magnuson, and his last name is M-A-G-N-U-S-O-N dot com slash stand hyphen out. That's his book, NathanMagnuson.com slash stand hyphen out. You'll see a landing page that looks very much like the one we created for the new version of Work You Love. And I, I applaud him on simply modeling best practices from somebody else who's a little further down the path. 
I mean, I commend him on that. Certainly not offended. Um, he's been very open about that, and I think he's done a, a great job. And Brian, I think you can check out his page and get some ideas as well there, how people can get a taste of what's in your book, You know, maybe some other resources you can give them, a checklist and so on, and build momentum for what you're doing. All right, here's a question from Mike. This is a little more a robust question, but boy, does it open the door for a whole lot of things that I think Mike can walk right into. So Mike says this, and just hoping for some guidance, I feel like perhaps I'm missing something and need another opinion. I just recently finished the 40 days book, naturally thought you may, maybe could you could provide some answers. Long story short, I work at a job I hate. February 1st, I purchased an investment home. March 1st, I was laid off due to COVID. I've been remodeling the home and it's now ready to sell. All went well and I love the process. I have $35,000 in a $70,000 home. I'm not sure if the job I hate will call me back. It is a good paying job, but I don't want to go back. I don't have money to invest into more until this house sells. I would love to quit my job and do this full time. But I also need health insurance. Oh, and I'm a single dad with three kids and I have, I have them the majority of the time. So I have to be able to keep paying bills so they eat. I know the 48 Days book says if you're doing what you love and are talented, then success will be easier, but it's just a big gamble for me. I'm not opposed to finding a new job rather than becoming an entrepreneur. However, nothing interests me. Also, I said yes to most of the questions you asked, Dan, when you ask about considering becoming an entrepreneur. Any advice would be appreciated. Wow. So, so many possibilities for you, Mike, and what you lay out here. You've been working a job. You got laid off. You hated the job anyway, but it pays well. You need to be responsible, dad, for your kids. But in the meantime, you got out here, invested $35,000 in a home, fixed it up. Now it's worth seventy. You're ready to sell it. Golly, what a great position. And I commend you on taking action in this period of time. So rather than just sitting on the sidewalk, twiddling your thumbs, hoping things go back to normal. So let's, let's just kind of lay out a scenario here. I have no idea what you make. Let's say that you make $70,000 a year. I'm going to make the math real easy here just for the conversation. So if you make $70,000 a year, it's pretty easy to do that math based on what you just shared here. You'd need to do two similar house deals like you just described to duplicate that. But here's the thing. By being self-employed, you actually get to keep way more of that money than you would as an employee. So if you make if you make $70,000 and you're self-employed and you make $70,000 as an employee, you're way better off being self-employed because the tax structure is set up to crucify people who are employees. They suffer the most. You make $70,000, doesn't matter what your other life situations are, you get taxed right off the top. As an employee, I mean, as self-employed, you can deduct everything you use to remodel that house, to get yourself in that position so you have assets that you can use again in other ways. You can deduct your travel expenses, even some of the things you do with your kids legitimately if you have them involved with you in this project, and end up not paying taxes on 70000 but on something that's significantly less than that. Now, here's the deal. So by being self-employed or an entrepreneur, 
those are those are two different things. But you can if we group them together here by being self-employed, you get to keep way more money than you would as an employee, and with that, you can more than cover health insurance for you and your kids. Now, there's plenty of places out there. I mean, just Google self-employed health insurance. I mean, health insurance companies are eager and aggressive about getting those of us who are entrepreneurs. They know we're good risk. We don't look for ways to stay home in the morning if we got a, you know, a tickle on our throat. We get up and go to work because we're creating our own path. So we're great risk for insurance companies. They want us. There's a lot of options out there. So I, I don't even want to try to figure out what would be the best option for you because there's so many options you can choose from. Easy to get, easy to put in place. Then you know the model. You don't have to wait until you have the cash to buy another home. I mean, there are a lot of people out there with money who would love to provide you the initial capital, have you do the work and then split the profits. I mean, that's a real common model. Or you can do a contingency purchase with the current owner. You go ahead and do the rehab and then you pay the house and then pay this. I mean, you, you go ahead and rehab the house, then sell it and pay a set price for the house. My goodness, the list goes on. If you're good at the rehab and maintenance, you could be a property manager for 15 houses and get 10% of the rental income without any money out of your own pocket. You could do a lease purchase on a fourplex where you take over the existing tenants, do some improvements to increase the value, sell it, and then execute the purchase option. I mean, the door is just wide open to creative ideas. Once you know you're in your unique zone of genius, that opens your eyes to the possibilities. Now, the, the danger here is just creating a, another job for yourself. You have to move into something that you really do care about. I mean, you talked about there's nothing that interests you. I'm not sure how broad that statement goes. I mean, you have to be operating in something that does interest you to maintain it and make it work. So that's the first step. Figure out what you really do enjoy. If that's rehabbing houses, there's no limit to the possibilities there. If it's not that, then find something else that does interest you, that you care about. Now, this whole issue about taking a job, even though you hate it, just to be a responsible provider, no, I want you to get beyond that mindset. Now, you have already proven your ability to do something on the side and make money. So you may want to have a job, even if it's not your dream job, that you have in place, just a responsible daddy that you have as a core career for another year or whatever period of time while you're building your side income. I mean, what I do is, in, what I do is encourage people to have their side business, have that to where it generates 50% of your current income. Then you know you're on the path where if you used all of your time, you ought to be able to close that gap and more very, very quickly. But so it's not an either or you can do both, but I think you've already opened the door to possibilities that are going to dwarf what you could possibly do as an employee. I'll be eager to hear, eager to hear more as that unfolds for you. Well, let's, well, we're going to wrap it up right there. Let me just do a summary and then we're going to go out with the old John Lennon song. People think I'm crazy. People think I'm crazy doing what I'm doing. So it's just a couple minutes that I've got a clip here. We'll go out with that, but I just want to remind you here, you kind of do a summary again of what we covered resource 
for today is Are You Living the Life You Love? You can take the five-minute Life You Love quiz to find out if you are living your best life. Just go to 48days.com slash W-Y-L. Our quotation for today from Napoleon Hill, cherish your visions and your dreams as they are the children of your soul, the blueprints of your ultimate accomplishments. Number three, finding success is a very individualized path. Don't just try to superimpose what somebody else has done. Look inward first, 85% of the process, 15% looking at the application. Number four, you can decide today to live out the 10 characteristics of people who end up rich. You can do that. And then once you walk out of normal, the world of possibilities explodes. Hey, thanks for being a listener. Thanks for being part of this growing community that I absolutely love being connected with. Keep those questions coming in to askdan at 48days.com and be committed and realize that together we can find or create work that is purposeful, meaningful, and profitable. You don't need to settle for less. Don't you miss the big time, boy, you know, long.